B&B Sparky Series. We've got Brad Rogers in the house tonight. We're going back to the Sparky Series format. So this one's for the tradies, but more specifically for the Sparkies. Let's rip in. Rogers, welcome to Beers and Banter. Thanks to be here, mate. Absolute pleasure. So I've, I've revived the Sparky series format. So this one's for the for the Sparkies. I've got a lot of Sparky contacts, but um, I reckon tonight's content will probably suit the most tradies, I would say. But I thought with everything going on in the world, you're the perfect man to speak to about what products are out there, what what trends you're seeing in the safety side of things, and you know what a lot of businesses are going to have to implement now. Yeah, well, it's been an interesting time. You know, we've we've come through. Uh, well, not through. We're still right in the guts of it in in COVID, uh, yeah. and it's uh, seems like it's some starting to ramp up in some other areas as well. So, uh, uh, it's it's been a really interesting time for for safety gear. Yeah. Uh, as you know, it's it's been in the media. I mean, you can see a bit of our product there, but uh, yeah. it's been it's been hot. Uh, the, these products we do uh, a lot of disposable masks. We do. Um, uh, some eye protection that's been used heavily in medical, uh, hand sanitizers, disposable coveralls. A lot of that sort of product has just been uh, in such high demand. Um, but uh, it, but it's been really hard to keep up with that as well uh, because there's been some real serious issues with supply chain uh, out of China as well. So yes. um, it, it opens up another whole can of worms with, uh, uh, I suppose, risks to your business and you know risk to to the the economy and and, and Australia as a whole. And the weird one was tradies never stopped. You know, the, I know some people are probably a little bit quieter than they were, but the industry didn't didn't seem to to slow down too much. Like there's still a lot of projects. It was almost like the government wanted something happening, and it was the tradies that that um, kept it going. How how did you handle that supply chain? Did, do you start to think about local manufacturing, or do you start? How how do you start to deal with those suppliers? Yeah, that's a that's a look. It's a really good question, and it's a question we toss around the boardroom uh, amongst the management group quite a lot over the last few months. Uh, you've probably seen a lot in the media around the around the government, especially in Queensland, uh, investing in uh, in local manufacturing. Uh, you've seen, um, I suppose, the government actually asking for a lot of local manufacturers to to pivot quickly and try and find. Uh, a way to actually make those supplies that are that are really desperately needed, especially in the medical field. I was getting my hand sanitizer from a distillery around the corner. There you go. That, that's <laughs> one perfect example. So yeah. that's been uh, that, that's been a real challenge. And and what's been good, great to see is those local manufacturers who have been able to, like a distillery, yep. uh, to to turn around and turn all their ethanol from um, good beautiful alcohol into uh, into hand sanitizer. Is that the twenty twenty so, word of the year? Pivot. Pivot. It could be. It could be. It was like bespoke from two thousand eighteen. Right? Bespoke was yeah. pretty pretty popular a couple of years ago. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, pivot. Pivot. Everyone's had yeah. a pivot this that, year. Well, they had. That they they have, and a lot have done really well. And, I think and I'm playing like, netball. When someone says pivot, I think I'm you know netball. Yeah, back to your netball days. Hey? Did you play netball? A bit. Yeah. Okay. No. Right. So look, I suppose just back back to the COVID issue with with supply chain and, and manufacturing. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a huge uh, need in Australia to to onshore. Uh, critical, I suppose, supplies. Yes. Uh, you know, with COVID, the borders shut effectively. China, India, the big manufacturing powerhouses closed their borders. 
they look after number one. That's themselves. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a lot of trouble getting our supplies out of those countries. Uh, we're lucky as a business, Paramount Safety, you've got a lot of long-standing relationships. So, so those suppliers were able to sort of filter probably more product than we usually would uh, get through that sort of period of time compared to maybe some others. Um, and so it depended on air freight versus sea freight too because what well, I don't know, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but the sea freight, there's a lot of ships and a lot of containers all tied up that couldn't couldn't be moved. And then I know that the company I work for, air freight became, because all the um, commercial flights stopped, a lot of the air freight goes in the belly of the, uh, of the passenger plane. Yeah. So all of a sudden getting something air freighted out of China became really hard as well. Oh, so. and ridiculously expensive. So, uh, yeah, we, look, we had a lot of people flying out masks and hand sanitizers and at, at ridiculous costs. And, uh, you know, I mean, just the raw material costs around the world for a lot of our products, especially masks, uh, spiralled, you know, 12, 2,400% increases. So wow. it, was, it was phenomenal. Uh, so, and couple that with a bit of uh, air freight, it just, um, it went through the roof. So... Uh, so fr- from, a, from a business perspective, um, it's not only our business, but I'm sure there's a lot of other businesses, perhaps maybe yours, um, but there's, uh, I know there's a lot of businesses in, in, in our industry that are probably thinking, uh, how, do we, how do we navigate something like this, like this in the future? What yeah. do we need to do? And local manufacturing has to form a certain part of it, uh, but we've got to be realistic as well and sort of think that, uh, you know, there's a reason why manufacturing moved offshore. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, it's the cost of goods. It's the increase... In, in, the, in the cost of uh, in labour, um, but that obviously, you know, helps underpin a, a good economy here. So, uh, but you've got to rely on low-cost countries to get that particular product. Uh, so, you're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, um, it's, it's been consumer demand that's driven people offshore. Yeah. Um, but for, for, for things to come back, everyone's got to be prepa- prepared to pay a bit more. They do, they do. And, and look, I've, I've had a lot of discussions with people about this. And, you know, the, people are very patriotic, which is really good. And you see it on social media, you know, support the Australian-owned, uh, Australian-made um, product. And, and I absolutely agree with that. And uh, as a business, we would love to be doing more of that. And, and we're, we're actually actively trying to, um, yeah. to uh, d- develop that, that sort of um, capability and become more vertically integrated. Um, but when you actually talk to people about um, perhaps – I'll use a dust mask as, a, as an example – and sort of say, well, okay, I can do a, a box of dust marks um, out of China for X amount, uh, but if I make it here, it's going to be maybe, you know, another third or a, or a half on top of that, would you still pay it? And I, I think they probably sort of, a lot of them sort of say, oh, yeah, probably, you know, but when push comes to shove, yeah. um, when, when, you know, costs, you know, overheads, all that sort of stuff that people are you know, really aware of, um, you know, they tend to go back to, you know, cheapest price wins. Yeah. Um, so you've got to try and sell above and beyond um, price a, a lot of the times. But it's, look, it's tough, you know. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So what what have been the big – what have you seen a lot of movement on in your range? Like what have, obviously you spoke about the masks and the overalls and stuff like that. Have you got anything specifically that you've got for Sparkies that, that you see them using a lot or is it is it more general than that? Yeah, look, it is it is pretty general. So Sparkies or electricians uh, obviously have quite unique risk at work, which yeah. is obviously, um, you know, working with uh, live electricity, you know, yeah. which uh, electric shock. So depending on their working, look, I'm no, I'm no Sparky, but uh, I know there is a risk there and, and they're um, with high voltage work, uh, you know, th- there's a certain um, set of, 
PPE that yes. they would need to use, yeah. uh, which are insulating from from that risk. Uh, Paramount Safety generally don't operate in that more niche area. Uh, mm-hmm. We're more of uh, the consumable, uh, more generalised type product. It's a, uh, it's a misconception that sparkies don't work hard. So Is that right? Yeah, it is. Okay. Because I'm looking at the hydration products that you've got and think that'd be critical for most, most sparky vans because if we're not digging holes, we're in the roof. And yep. when you're in the roof, you can you can <coughs> excuse me, you can lose a lot of fluid. Uh, so I would have thought that some of your hydration products would have been key for for the electrical market because uh, you, you, nothing for you to lose, you know, four or five liters. Oh, mate! If you're up in a roof void and and you might even have a suit on as well, uh, yes. depending on what you're dealing with, yep. uh, what sort of risks are up there, uh, four or five liters easy in yeah. in, a, in a couple of hours. So uh, so hydration, um, you know, we call it sort of safety for the inside. Yeah, uh, is just as critical as what you've got on you, the outside of your body protecting. So yourself. what what have you got specifically? What are those? What's that gear you've got there? So Thorst here, we've got uh, we've got our um, electrolyte sachets. We've got one of our little. Um, uh, drink bottles there. We've got some uh, Thorst electrolyte icy poles. Uh, They're the goods. Just a, just a little sample pack there. So for all the uh, listeners out there today, we've got a, some some goodies here to uh, to give away at the end of the show. So um, perfect. So Thorst uh, was born back in about 2012. Yeah. Uh, we designed this product. Um, I suppose off the the knowledge of a few people within the business. Um, uh, myself and uh, Tim Bird and Owen Hughes at, at that point in time uh, were, were quite into our sports, as you know. We, we're active in surf life saving, yes, um, which is a bit of a passion of, I suppose, both of ours through, through the years. Definitely. Um, so we, we we saw some products out there that that were were good and and they led the way, but we thought we could do this better. Um, and a big part of Thorst was reducing the amount of sugar um, and focusing on hydration, uh, more of a hypotonic um, solution. Uh, the reason being is is you know providing this product to workers uh, is critical, but workers generally will have time to actually stop and have breaks and, and yes. get, get that fuel. Uh, what they don't replace is the amount of fluid that's lost uh, and the electrolytes as a result. Uh, so Thorst uh, has has been going really well since then, and we've had um, David Rhodes come on board and he sort of manages the the category now. And as you know, David's uh, um, you know pedigree is you know, Olympic athlete, so. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, just grown, gone from strength to strength. So, that's that's yeah. really good. I would I would say that's something you need to throw in the uh, throw in the truck, guys. Even the sachets are probably good because you 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 maybe not got the ice blocks to freeze down, unless freeze you've got down, your but angles or your wacos in the back of the truck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, wow, well, yeah. wouldn't I love one of those uh, work trucks with the yeah. uh, the big canopy on the back absolutely, and the fridge? Mate. And the you never know who might come on the show and sponsor those, mate. That'd yeah. be good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Speaking of hydration, though, um, how's your beer going? Well, mate, I think we need to crack one. So, um, and how good's this? The guest brought the beers tonight. The guest did bring the beer. That's a trend I'd like to see continue. Actually, just for those listeners, I'm not sure um, if it's a common occurrence, but uh, Matt kindly offered. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to knock it back, but um, some great northerns, and uh, I suppose I just wanted to be a bit more authentic you know um, this is your your local brewery really this is from where um, from your hometown stone and wood from byron bay yes so that's where i grew up yeah um and uh yeah stone and wood's probably probably well i mean it, it's won the uh the beer of the year awards for a couple of years in a row i think in the, in the last few years going so, great they're a favorite yeah. of the show uh beautiful fruity beer great uh, great summertime drink so um very good thank you pleasure mate so uh, what else have we got in there? Cable, some gloves there for pulling cables, maybe. 
So, we, look, I suppose when you talk about sparkies and general safety gear, uh, there, there's a lot of products that, that are used across the board. Eye protection. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got your, your – yeah, in here you've got some specs, you've got your hearing protectors, uh, you've got gloves. Uh, so the, I suppose the way I would work or, or our business would work in terms of uh, recommending particular products um, – it's not really specifically on the occupation you do. It's actually on the application. Yes, okay. Uh, yep. So it's looking at, at what are you actually doing and what's the risk that's involved. Um, so I suppose when you're thinking about uh, electricians, uh, there's perhaps pro probably quite a lot of um, applications or, or um, tasks that they're actually doing, but some of those might be actually fine motor skills, you know, um, putting wires in through walls and, and stripping cable or whatever with, with pliers. So uh, you actually might need, uh, if you do need hand protection, uh, if you're using, um, you know, uh, wire snips or, um, you know, Stanley knives or whatever, you might need a little bit of cut protection, but you actually might still need some tactile s sensitivity or some dexterity. It, it was um, something that I, I hard for me when I went from like a residential environment to like a mining environment where gloves are mandatory and I'd never worked with gloves on my hands mm. in my life. Thankfully, the tools are, it's not as intricate, but it's definitely, definitely weird to get used to working with gloves before you when you haven't previously, but yes, those little s small intricate jobs, it'd be very hard to do in gloves, but then there's plenty of applications where, where it is better. Oh, for sure. Well, I suppose gloves sort of started with the traditional leather riggers gloves. Yeah. And, and you, you can't know, work in them. Mate, they're still pretty popular. You know, the, 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 the <laughs> traditional old boys out there, mate, they love a leather riggers glove. It's like an old, old leather work boot, you know, yeah. you, you put it on and you, you don't want to take it off, you know. Um, so they're, they're good to a certain extent, but you lose your dexterity. And they don't have any cut resistance. Uh, so whilst there's there's a lot of gloves out there these days, and but they all serve a particular purpose uh, for certain risks and applications. So uh, I would say with any safety gear is look at what you're actually doing, what's the risks involved, and then find the particular products that are actually going to match that. And, and there's a whole set of sort of standards and markings that you'll find on gloves and safety specs and, and hearing protectors and whatnot, which will sort of help you choose the right product uh, for that particular risk. Um, Sparky's find himself on the roof quite often. Yep. What do you guys got in that space? So what? I'll just give you a bit of background of Paramount Safety. So um, I, I have been blessed to, uh, to work for Paramount Safety, which is an, an Aussie-owned company um, owned by um, the Bird family. Uh, started back in 92. Uh, so we're coming up to, uh, you know, a couple of years off 30 years, yeah, which, that's is, huge. Um, which is fantastic. I've been with the business since uh, 2004, so I've been around a little while. Started as a, what, 14-year-old? Mate, close to that, <laughs> close to that. Don't look too much older than that these days no. either, mate. Uh, but um, started in, in gloves, in, in recycling gloves, laundering gloves, and then moved into, into importing, um, you know, basic uh, uh, hand protection and then moved into eyewear, respiratory. Uh, so... Uh, in 2004, actually, the year I started, we, we developed um, Paramount Safety is the parent company and underneath Paramount Safety is our, is our range of brands. So we've got Thorst, we've got ProChoice, which is, I suppose, the biggest brand within the, in the business, which represents a whole host of different subcategories in eye protection, hand protection, hearing, yep. uh, hand protection. Uh, we've got, um, when you talk about height safety products, um, I've got a, I bought a little kit here there today to, uh, to give away. We've got our link um, Link branded uh, height safety gear. Uh, so that is a, is a basic roofer's kit. Yes. So within there, there's a harness, there's a lanyard, there's a rope. 
uh, everything you sort of need to get up on the on the roof in a basic scenario. Great. So uh, that's a giveaway for the listeners today. I don't know whether they'll get it. Well, are you going to get up on the roof anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, I do, mate. I get yeah, up there. There you go. Yeah, every now and then. Um, so I'll just get rid of that. But, no, that's um, good. So, so yep. we've got Link and, and one of our newest um, brands within the business is um, is our Medic uh, First Aid um, brand of products. So yeah, okay. that's another giveaway for the uh, for the listeners today as well. We've got lots of stuff. Yep. So there's fan- yeah, look, there's a lot there. So um, uh, look, Sparky's will will go through many different scenarios at work, whether it be up on the roof, whether it be in roof voids, uh, whether it probably be down underground, in pits, uh, wherever it might be. You know, it's pretty down and dirty work, you know. I mean... Sparkies get a bad rap, but we are basically gods amongst men that harness right? harness electrons to f- travel down a copper conductor and turn equipment on. Is that right? You guys are gods. We are basically wizards what, is what another would, word. What would the other trade say about that? What do plumbers think about that? Oh, mate, no. shit runs downhill on paydays <laughs> Thursday. That's all they worry about. There you go. I might need to edit that out. Sorry to all the plumbers out there. Yeah, yeah. You, you just uh, you just lost a few listeners, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> no. What, what plumbers are going to listen to a Sparky no, series anyway, No, they mate? wouldn't you listen. Know. There you go. They wouldn't know how to work their iPhone. Is that right? No. Okay. That's why they're plumbers. <laughs> No, I joke. I joke. Love you all. So there is a, there is a lot of uh, oh, look. So I suppose Paramount Safety. We, we've been importing and and uh, manufacturing and wholesaling products for you know close to thirty years. Yeah. Um, we sell through a network of distributors around the country and and distribute through five. Um, so I say five because I include our cousins across the ditch, mate. We've got a a, a warehouse in New Zealand. So we've yep. got uh, warehouses in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, and Auckland. Um, so the, the benefit to that is obviously, uh, getting our product out to, uh, our resellers and the, and, and the users, um, you know, very fast. Great. And so, where could, uh, where can Sparky's find your equipment mostly? Uh, we've, we've got a huge network of resellers, but, uh, businesses like, um, L&H, Lawrence and Hanson, uh, Auslec, um, uh, you know, I, I suppose I don't want to seem to favour particular businesses no, because right. we've got so many great resellers out there, but there's lots of uh, franchised models, you know, like the Totally Workwears and the Hip Pockets and the Safety Quips uh, and, and uh, you know, um, retail, trade, um, you know, industrial, you know, a bit of Mitre 10 and, and uh, you know, Adam Supply and great. the like. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. There's plenty of options for, for yeah, them to come 100%. find it. Uh, mate, We've talked a bit of work. I want to talk to you about sports. It's, it's the underlying theme yeah. in this show. You're pretty handy. Australian, Is that right? Australian, handy. Australian champion. Yeah, Australian, Australian double ski champion in, in 2016. Yeah. Uh, so that was, um, for those listeners, I'm, I'm 43 years old, only a, a couple of weeks ago. So to have a win, uh, which was actually my first open um, – Gold medal. Uh, at, was it at the age of well, what was that? Three years ago, four years ago, yeah, okay. thirty nine, forty. Uh, was was amazing, you know, and to, and to do it with, um, uh, you know, with Rosie David yeah. Rhodes, you know, um, was just even even better, you know. To to share that win with someone else was was phenomenal. But and are they the they're the fastest craft without an engine in mate, surf they're, life they're, saving? They're as as Daryl Eastlake would put it every uh, every year on <laughs> Nines Wide World of Sports. They're the F ones of uh, yeah. of surf life saving. So uh, look, it's a fantastic race, and and uh, look, I, I suppose I love ski paddling, and yeah. and to be able to be still be doing it at, at, at a high level. Um, you know, we we unfortunately missed out 
on doing Aussies this year yeah. due to the COVID restrictions. But uh, you know, my 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 I traded Rosie in. He got a bit old, so um, I thought we'd uh, upgrade to a, a newer model. So I got Dan Bowker, who's another Olympic yep. athlete. Yeah, got him on the back. So perfect. Um, you know, as an old fella, you've got to keep the young boys on the back, keep pushing Yeah, well, you're making them look good, so it's your yeah, choice yeah. who you put on the back. Well, exactly right. It's like having a sparky on the front and a plumber on the back. Yeah. <laughs> the, re- the real workers on the back, the, the pretty boys up the front. You're really driving right? the wedge here. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what parallels do you find that you've been able to take from I, – I, we, we talk about it on the pod a lot. I feel like surf lifesaving is one of those sports where the athletes are, are dedicated way above their – the reward the remuneration really so what parallels have you taken from that dedication in surf life-saving world into business what what do you think what what goes between the two yeah that's a really good question and uh and and i suppose when i look at people who have transitioned from sport into business is what you see there is i suppose um in in the examples i suppose i've seen uh is is a commitment and I suppose it's just a steely resolve to, to see a result. And in some cases, that probably rub, rubs people the wrong way because in their sporting career, they've probably just been so focused. They've got the blinkers on and nothing else matters. Yeah. And that can sometimes be seen as, you know, maybe having a bit of an attitude problem or a bit obnoxious. But to be the best, you've sometimes got to, you know, put some of the stuff to the side and, and not let the, the small stuff sweat you. So um, I suppose what I love about, uh, seeing good sports people transition into business is just their commitment to making it work. And, and, and yeah, you get a lot of no's. You know, you have a lot of failures. But yeah. the reality is, is, is you just got to get back up and keep going. And, and what, what I've also seen in that particular uh, person um, or profile of person is a commitment to wanting to learn and train. And, and I suppose what I see a, a, a lot of times, I do see a lot of times in industry is, is that people... Uh, do get paid to 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 do a role, obviously, and they're professionals. Yeah. Um, but that's, I suppose, where it stops. I mean, when you look at sporting professionals, what are they doing every day? Mate, they're training. They're, they're training. Repetition, repetition. It's those little things that get you, you know, above at the end of the day. You know, if I put it back to, to paddling a double ski, um, you know, most people are probably out there doing – uh, the, the same sessions, you know, we're one minute, five minutes, whatever, they're doing an hour, a good hour hard session. But um, I suppose for me, it's those little one percenters. It might be the skill set. It might be going down to, you know, 50 jump starts at a, at a time to get that right. It might be just going out and catching waves. Or as a young fella, you know, growing up in Byron, you know, we, we'd done a lot of um, uh, skills-based training with some fantastic coaches where it might be just paddling sideways in the waves for, oh, yeah. for a half an hour down one way and then turning around and coming back and just getting used to that wave hitting you sideways. Yeah. Uh, sitting in the break and closing your eyes and, and trying to stay up, stay upright, you know. Yeah, right. Th- those little things help you, it, what I call the one percenters, are the things that help you you go to that next level. And, and I suppose that's where I see sports people have that commitment within business to take it to the next level. So how do we, how do we get our sport back as the... Uh the essential summer sport that it used to be? Oh, look, I've, I've got a deep love for surf life saving. It's been so good to me. I've done it since I was a, a young fella in, yeah. in Byron Surf Club, right through nippers, right through seniors and uh, and still doing it. You know, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, it's it's a sport that I, I tell a lot of people um, that it's a sport forever. 
you know, like I grew up around in Byron, as I've said before, and uh, played a bit of footy and surfed and and uh, played soccer and all that sort of stuff. But uh, and a lot of my mates did the same thing as well. But I'm not sure how you find it. Yeah. But later on in life, no one's really playing football anymore. No one's playing soccer once they get past their twenties or into their thirties. You know, there's a few. Ramage is the exception. Well, he is. He is, <laughs> and he's a good exception too, mate. You know. Um, but I suppose that my, my point is, is that um, surf life saving can be forever because it's a low impact sport. Yes. You're down the beach. Where else would you want to be? Especially on the Gold Coast. I, I so. feel like it's a culture thing. Like where else do you want to – that's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. down the down the beach on a Sunday. The rainy ones, I've found myself sleeping in. <laughs> I'm like going down the beach. Well, there's been too many good days on the beach to go down there when it's raining, in my opinion. But yep. it is it is good. It's a good place for your family to spend time. Yeah. We uh, – every holiday we go on, there's water in some capacity around. So I figure it's got to be a great place for the kids to, to get their bearings, get confident in the water – surf skills and I've seen them grow out of not being able to not you know being scared to go near the waves to you know being able to swim out the back to the point now they swim you know Archie probably swims better than me but and it's a it's an amazing sport for that you know and and when you think about the skills that Nippers teaches uh it's a shame that actually it's not transitioning from junior into senior yeah and, and I think that's where more time needs to be spent uh within surf life saving clubs to to sort of try and bridge that gap because I mean, I mean, look at, for the listeners out there. I, I look after um, Matt's young fella in the uh, in the under tens or the other under elevens this year. Yeah. So we've got you know last year I think about seventy kids, um, but as we get on through into the twelves, thirteens, and then transition into the seniors, that's going to drop off a lot. It's hard because it those gets other serious, sports get involved. But it know? gets serious too, right? So if you want to go past under thirteens or fourteens, things like the your SRC and your bronze medallion start to come into play, and um, the crap, you know. You've, whether you like the craft or not, you've got to start to be able to use it. Um, and there's a little bit of time. You, you you get asked to give back some of your time yeah. too on the weekends, you know. Um, but, yeah, the, the kids seem to have to make that call at 13 or 14. And it's something that I speak to with the boys a lot. It's like, why, why do kids have to make that call so early? You know, yeah. Because, to, to be honest, they, the seasons have got too long. We're, we're starting nippers too early. Oh, September, and the, October, and you're finishing it. And we finish right in the middle of the beautiful yeah. top weather. And then, but the winter sports, they, they start training in January now and want to go through till September. Whereas when you when we were younger, like there was at least you could do your winter sport mm. and then your summer sport and you didn't yep. have to choose. But yep. now it's sort of like, well, if you're, if you're good at one of those winter sports, they want you around in January and that's prime yeah. surf club season. Well, you want to be giving your, your children access to a lot of sports to, to, you know, increase their skill set across a lot of areas, you know. But how do, how do we get the sport back to the heyday? I don't know. I suppose I think back to the, the days when, when I, was, I was young, a, a teenager growing up and looking at those, those the heroes, you know, yeah. in, in the Ironman, but also ski paddlers were, were people that I looked up to as well. And um, there were some amazing people around. But uh, they... they I don't know if it was the media that created the profiles for them, but these people were, you know, they were they were household names, you know. But Definitely. but they were really accessible, I suppose. They were they were really personable. Um, are, are the are the athletes today not like that? I, I, look, I don't think so. Um, maybe it might be an, an administration um, thing, you know, where where the administrators have taken the sport. Um, I wonder if it's a TV thing think? too. Mm. You know, that it used to be on free to air. 
Yep. So you'd have, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd have the Kellogg series on, or the Nutrigrain series on nine, and you'd have the Uncle Toby's on ten. Ten. Rivals. So both, you know, both cereal companies pouring money in, both TV companies pouring money in. And it's sort of like the... Um, the TV companies are probably pouring a lot of their money into the footy codes and there's not a lot of money elsewhere. Yeah, and then you've yeah. got you've got Fox Sports that most of his sports end up on, mm. but I don't know how much funding they've actually got. Yeah. To the point where we saw a few years ago that the, the life-saving wasn't even live. It was like six weeks later. Yeah. And everyone knew the result. So your prime market, which is people in life-saving, knew the result before it went to air. Yeah. So that... Look, I think it probably comes down to the metrics, the data. And, and I'm sure if you ask the, uh, the TV stations, maybe back in the heyday when the Tobys was on and, and, and you had those serial wars, that there was probably a lot of interest. There probably was a lot of people that actually tuned in to watch it. Um, but over the years, perhaps as, as the, the big names sort of, you know, slowly filtered away, um, the, the numbers weren't there. I remember... North and it's an advertising thing, right? North Burley hosted an Uncle Toby's round one year and Dean and... Darren Mercer were allowed to, for some reason, I don't know why, but they were allowed to do the Uncle Toby's that year. And one of them, had, so I'm butchering this story, but one of them had just had one of their kids and they said to him, oh, so you're an uncle? And they went, no, 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 still Kellogg's. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny little story. but I can't remember, but okay. I always thought the Uncle Toby's boys were that just next level yeah. in the in the really long Iron Man stuff. Oh, but were. but Dean and Darren Mercer were, were who, freaks. Who was your favourite growing up? I just breathed into the microphone. That's <laughs> what we said. Don't do that. Um, Hendy, Hendy was the king. Yeah, it was Hendy, and then who? Really, Scotty Reeves. I liked once I was. But got, he was the king. But was he your favourite? So I knew Trevor Hendy before I knew about Surf Life Saving. You need to get Trev on here, mate. He's a local. I'd have him on in a heartbeat. Okay. But you know what I mean? So that's transcending the sport. I wasn't a nipper until I was like 13. But okay. I knew who Trevor Hendy was mm. when I was a little kid. He was a household name. He was a as, household name. As a lot name. of them were. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, once I joined North Burley, obviously, I followed like Scotty Reeves because um, he was a North Burley contestant. Had the, the reverse North Burley cap. Yeah. Um, I think we had Kai Hurst at the club for a little yeah, bit there. Yep. <coughs> Rat, Leon Hay, obviously, we've we followed club all those legend. guys. Yep. Yep. Mate, we've had some good guys come through the club. Definitely. But it's so good to actually see some of those legends of the sport. You know, Trev's still heavily involved in, in Surfers Paradise Surf Club. Uh, you know, only still won an Aussie medal there with his, his young son. Fella. That was crazy. Uh, what was that? Maybe 2013, you know. So pretty recently, really. Um the one, with t the one with TJ, TJ was more recent than that. Was it more recent? I'm okay, sure there it was, you go. Yeah. I probably got the dates wrong. But, uh, you know, you've got, um, you know, Guy Andrews, who's, who's down and active with um, uh, Talabudra Surf Club and, and Guy does a bit of, bit of uh, paddling with us every now and then. Yeah. And, uh, he, he was one of my favourites growing up. You know, he's, he's a big hero of mine because um, he was just, he was tenacious, you know. Oh. He, 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 had a, he had a heart like a lion, yeah, he was you know. A good, and, yeah. uh, whilst, you, you know, he might not have had, had the, the tall physique of the, of the big guys, man, he was, he was ferocious, you know. What do you um, think of the the, the X the cross CrossFit type stuff they brought in for the last round of summer? Look, I suppose that could be, I suppose, a decision where where um, I suppose numbers and data and 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 I suppose projections on where the the trends are going. You know, uh, you know, CrossFit's a massive sport. Um, surf life saving probably needed a bit of an injection. 
uh, whilst whilst I probably on on the traditional side, I, I just think surf life saving could still really pitch a very good story and a very good product to go live. They need to go. Beach flags need to become the no doubt about it. Needs to become the central focus of surf life Mate, I'm not so sure on the sand scratches, <laughs> but um, you know you can go build some sand castles on the backside of the grandstands, but. Uh, no, look, the, the, the beach flaggers are, are, are great, mate. Uh, all, all the surf life saving events. But I, I definitely think they could be doing, um, go back to the heyday and get that, that support that they once had. And um, I don't think they really need, uh, you know, CrossFit to be involved. Whilst that was a nice little um, thing to probably spike some interest and it might actually lead in the right way. I, I don't uh, reckon... I'm not sure what the, what the actual, you know, intention was, but um, it... it other than Kane, I don't reckon any of them got across the monkey bars without slipping. Is that right? Well, I don't think I would have either, mate. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, know I wouldn't have. Uh, it would have been a good fun one to have a go at that. Yeah, hmm. it's. Uh, I worry about this year. I think it's going to. Obviously, there's bigger problems in the world than than surf life saving, but it's going to be a tough year. All of our clubs that traditionally would earn money through the back end of summer and then through winter, you know, through their restaurants and yeah. and whatnot have not had any funding. They've all been closed. And they're only just starting to open up. Yeah, it's going to so be that, tough. that flows down into junior programs, into coaching and into, you know, what, what those clubs can spend. I worry that, you know, that'll put the sport back a little bit even more. Like we've already seen some coaching movement around the coast and some athlete movement, which you could look at it two ways. You could look at that and go, oh, well, bloody, the big club's poaching talent again or... I look at it the other way. I think, well, if that big club's got some cash at the moment and they can keep those guys professional while some of the other clubs recover, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, well, look, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it, look, open up a can of worms yeah. there, right? Yeah, you know. So, um, I, I mean, you see uh, who went recently, Bevy and um, and Pooley to, to Northcliffe. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, mate, they're professionals. So, I mean, if, if that's their income, I don't begrudge anyone yeah. for trying to go and earn that. Um, but you definitely do see a, a lot of musical chairs every year with people moving around with the coaches and whatnot. But um, look, I, I suppose um, we'll just focus on our little backyard, which is yep. North Burley, and uh, we've got a massive crop of nippers and, that are going to. Uh, well, we do, we do, and 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 hopefully, what we're breeding there is is um, obviously that word loyalty. But but knowing also that you don't necessarily need uh, a huge group of people uh, in a big club to be successful. Yep. And we've seen in, in many clubs and many people uh, be very successful uh, in their own rights. Uh, and it all comes down to one thing. And it's not what a coach can do for you. It's not what the club can do for you. It's what you do for yourself and your commitment and the, and the time and the effort you actually put into it. Uh, if you don't put the time and effort into it, um, you know, you're not going to get the result. Simple. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't matter where you do that. Um, so, you know, so, some, of the, some of the best athletes uh, that I suppose you and I know – have probably been more successful training in environments where it's only been them or, or a few others. So, um, uh, you know, someone like, uh, I'm not sure, did, did, was Courtney really? Yep. A, I mean, he, I, I think he may have been um, someone who, who'd done a lot of training on his own, you know, might have had small groups, but generally quite alone. I think, he I think, told I us think, a story of riding to the Southport uh, pool car park and doing laps of it. Before go. he went to swimming training. So he's doing that on his own as a, so, as a young fellow. So there's those things, those little one percenters that no one actually hears about. Um, you know, I'm not sure if it was true or not, but I, I heard uh, before I, I joined um, uh, the, the swim squads up the Gold Coast uh, that athletes like Carla Gilbert would, would jump in the pool and, uh, and obviously do the swim session 
And then long after everyone's gone, she was still doing kick laps, kickboards, you know. Um, and, you know, she was a champion, you know. Um, it's those little bit extra yes. that, that the champs do that, that get you to the next level, you know. And there's yeah. probably a lot of people out there scratching their heads thinking, what do I need to do here? But uh, the extras. The, the extras, absolutely. You know, lock down and have a crack. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, um, I could talk all night. We we've got some we've got some gear here. I think sh- should we tell people to stay tuned to the social media channels and we'll work out how we're going to give away this yeah, gear. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So there's uh, there's a bit of Thor's gear there. There's there's plenty of Pro Choice gear there. There's a there's a there's a uh, Link Height Safety Kit. There's a Medic First Aid Kit. So there's everything really there for a Sparky. Yeah. So I think. Do you want to do all, the, the, or do you want to break it up I, and do a couple I, of different I, giveaways? I there? think we might break it up a little. Yeah. Just spread the love. Um, and um, I, I suppose we'll put our um, our social media handles on your page yeah. and, and uh, get a few likes and shares. I think that's what they do these days. Do you want to do LinkedIn or Facebook or where's your strongest platform? Oh, well, look, I mean, I think this is a very professional podcast, Matt, <laughs> that you're running here. So <laughs> um, it's high, high quality, high Amateur level. Hour. Um, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure the viewing numbers are going to go through the roof yeah. after this. So, um, th- you know, my, you're welcome. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyways, well, I think we'll put that on, on social, mate. I think the guys love yep, it. Perfect. Uh, but, um, yeah. So stay tuned to the, the Paramount Safety and the Beers and Banter socials. We'll, we'll work out how we're going to give this stuff away. I've got the three, big three questions for every guest. Big three. I did, I, I worded you up, so yep. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting yep. some good yep, answers. Uh, favorite place in the world for a beer? Ooh, can I give you two? Yeah. Well, the back deck. The back deck. The back deck. My, the back deck of my house. Yep. So, uh, you know, I mean, as a young fella, used to like going out there and, and having, a, having a beer at a lot of different establishments, but you'd, you'd pay through the roof for beers and and then you'd, you'd struggle to get a seat and struggle to hear anyone. But I'll tell you what, sitting on the back deck, having a beer with a few of your mates, I'll tell you, it doesn't get much better. Can't beat it. But look, other than that, um, uh, I grew up in Byron Bay. Yep. I think I had my first beer at the Beach Hotel. So that, that's that's yeah. You know, that's the second. About, that's the second time we've had the beach. Is hotel. that right? There yeah. you go. So uh, it was a, an establishment that uh, a lot of the the paddlers from there would go over every Friday night after a, a lap around the rock, Julian Rocks. Pretty good spot. And uh, mates, magic, beautiful. Righto, favorite athlete of all time. <sighs> they don't have to be the greatest. Just your favorite. Yeah, athlete look, my of all favorite. Time. Look, I know it sounds like I'm going to be on the bandwagon here, but I'm a Jordan fan, so yep. I'm going to have to say Jordan. So you would have watched the last dance. Yeah, yeah. Look, I loved it. I loved it. I think he's he's fantastic, and you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about that uh, that commitment to, to to being great, and and how that might sometimes be mistaken as someone being a bit of a prick or or having attitude or whatever. But uh, you know, w- without his his commitment to wanting to be great, that team would have never been where it uh, where it was. He know? could have he could have essentially changed sports in general. Yeah, coming out of the eighties, the eighties weren't they were professionals, but they I feel like sports in the nineties just went to another level. They of did. They did professionalism and oh, it was amazing. That Bulls team, he would have been at the centre of that, you know, and and j- just the athletes around him as well were, were, were pretty amazing as well with Pippen and Rodman and. You know, you had the Aussie connection there with Longley as well. So yep. that, was, that was pretty cool to see as well. Very so, cool. Yeah. Righto, last one. Any four people from history over for a beer? Who's coming and what are you cooking? Oh, that, that is a tough one. Can I give two answers to that one? 
So no, we've got four. No, no, well, I, I want to give you... You want two groups. I want two groups. Okay, So, okay. look, I, I suppose I... I and I'm going to steal this one from Courtney because I did see it the other week is... Um, you, you, nothing better than having a having a beer with your family and your mates. Yes. So you know, mum and dad, and and you know, my wife and and kids and and my brothers and uh, and your best mates. You know, it, that just doesn't get much better. Um, having that beer with those people, you know, you, you know them intimately. You know the struggles that they're going through and the highs and the lows, and 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 having a beer with them is is great. It but was the thing I missed most out of COVID nineteen was just. Literally just having a barbecue and being allowed to have people at your house. It's the simple things, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. You know, people are like, oh, I can't wait to go to dinner. I can't wait to go to the pub. It's like, yeah, the pub's good, but I really just want my close group of friends and my close family yeah. to be able to come around for a beer would yeah. be nice. Yeah. So if if I was to if I was to choose some some celebs out there, I'd, I'd look. I'd I'd love to have a chat to Jordan. You know, I'd have yeah. him around. Um. Look, I uh, as I told you before the podcast, and I, I've really refrained from trying to breathe too deep into the microphone. But there's a guy I've been listening to a little bit on uh, on on podcasts, and and he's he's sort of um, his method around breathing. His name's Wim Hof. Um, Wim Hof. And uh, look, look him up, listeners. Um, okay. Look, it's been fantastic through for, for me. It's all about breathing, uh, and and you know, I suppose I do um, it daily. You do. You do yeah, the breathing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Try to. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on your two feet. You need to breathe. That's for sure. Uh, but it's a specific breathing uh, sort of method, which yep. uh, helps, uh, I suppose, um, relax you, de-stress, you know, reduce anxiety, okay. uh, helps bring a bit of energy to yourself. And uh, look, I'll, I'll tell you what, for me in the last few months, it's been, uh, you know, it's been fantastic and um, well worth a look up. I'll have to look that up. So Jordan, Wim, I would have... Um, uh, like I suppose I hadn't thought too much beyond that. I'd probably have some because I mean, look, Jordan love he, he loves a cigar and, and and a good time. He'd have some great stories. You know, Wim, I, I think he likes a beer as well, and he he, he does some pretty extreme stuff. You know, he, he, they call him the Ice Man. Yeah. So he he gets into some pretty extreme scenarios. So he'd have some good stories too. Yeah. What was his background then? What's he do? Uh, he's he's from the uh, one of the Nordic countries. Yeah. And, and uh, he he had a had a pretty. Um, uh, hard run there, I think, uh, with his uh, wife. Um, that um, and don't correct, me, don't quote me on this, mate. That that um, might have um, uh, passed away in unfortunate circumstances. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of stress bringing up the kids. You know, needed to find a way to um, to sort of break free of the stress and and uh, and, and get the body back uh, aligned and and healthy. You know, so um, uh, it's it's a pretty good story and it's a it's a really good method. So. Um, worth having a look. Um, look, other than that, uh, I suppose um, some of the people that have a big influence on my life uh, in uh, in growing up, um, there was a there's a there's a, a coach of mine back in the Byron days, Max Abbott, who who was always um, good for a story. Yeah. Uh, and you know, once you start him, you can't stop him. Yeah. Uh, love you, Max. And uh, so he'd, he'd be good for a, around for a barbecue. Mate, the fourth. That's a hard question, Matty. I know I'm starting to yabber on a bit yep. here, but um, I don't know. I'll think about that one later. Righto. What am I cooking? I, look, I love a bit of seafood. Yep. Um, prawns, salmon, and a few stone woods, mate. Perfect. Simple. Sounds like yeah. a good afternoon. On the back deck. Yep. yep, absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I think we might wrap it up there. Thanks, mate. Thanks well, for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure. Welcome back anytime. I'm just going to do a little plug. We are... We get lots of support from the guys at Gripstar. So Gripstar anti-slip socks feature panels that create traction that improve speed, acceleration, and stability. 
Gripstar socks are designed to develop deliver maximum comfort and flexibility, featuring a breathable mesh design that removes sweat and reduces odors. Perfect for movement, sports, working on your feet, or lounging lounging safely at home. Well Sorry, done. Jolly, I butchered that, but uh, I'll get better. That's the first time I've read that one. In other words, go and find yourself some Grip Star socks. Absolutely. They're the goods. Get amongst it. Bear, thanks for coming on. Mate, absolute pleasure. Um, thanks, listeners, and um, look. Stay tuned to the socials. Absolutely. At Beers and Banter, and where can, where can they find uh, Paramount? At Pro Choice Safety. Okay, perfect. On, uh, on Insta. Cheers. Yep, cheers, mate. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>